Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. to the net. Rich shot score. Wayne Simmons, right circle. 2.15 to play. Simmons has the go-ahead goal. It's 2 on Flyers. So over the second straight year in Philadelphia, the Oilers are done in by a late goal. That was the winner, Wayne Simmons, with 2.15 left. It breaks a 1-1 tie, and the Flyers knock off the Oilers 2-1. Another low-scoring game for the Oilers. Remember, they were 1-1 into the third period in Chicago a couple of days ago. Wound up winning in overtime. Tonight, they can't find the winner, and they need to start finding the net more. They fall to 2-5 and five on the season. Good afternoon. It is 1.51. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. The other goals in the games tonight, Claude Giroux scored early on the power play for Philadelphia. Patrick Maroon with an unassisted goal at 15-37 of the second period. Well, Rob, the Oilers went on this road trip with a priority of uh, getting better goaltending, having better 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 penalty killing and playing better defense for the most part that has happened though they did give up a power play goal today and uh, now you start looking at the other side of the ledger and the goals for simply have not been there yeah I mean obviously not having dry settle in the lineup hurt uh, he's the number two guy in this team offensively and and they certainly miss his creativity as well as his finish uh, McDavid is not off to a McDavid start when it comes offensively. So right there, there's two huge pieces of the puzzle that aren't there right now, and, and that takes a big chunk out of your offense. And then it, there's players that have left the organization that were, were scorers and players that have come in that haven't produced at the level that they needed them to do. I mean, Strom just with one on the year. Uh, Jokinen still hasn't got his first goal of the season. Nugent Hopkins, who has been praised of all the the... the steps forward he's made this year still seven games he's only got three points on the season the Oilers need to be a good defensive hockey club to win and in the last two games you've seen the the steps forward to to where they need to be and the back to where they were doing last year but they just need that bounce and sometimes the bounce is simply by putting the puck on net Patty Maroon tonight scores a goal terrible angle but he put the, took the puck to the net. And I know that Bob and Jack were talking on the power play late in the third with a chance to put the Oilers ahead and possibly get the game winner. They've got an injured player out there and will take advantage of on the five-on-four. Don't by putting pucks on net. They didn't force that player, McDonald, to have to do anything. The guy could barely stand up. So for me, the, the Oilers are doing a lot of good things, 
And to get goals, you just got to keep crashing the net. And I don't think they did enough of that tonight. I don't remember Elliott having to make a huge amount of saves tonight. And Elliott, uh, he let in the one bad goal. You would think at that point, throw the puck on net and see what happens. Shots wind up 24-24. Cam Talbot takes the loss with 22 saves. Elliott, the victory. And, and yeah, I think another storyline here for the Oilers, Rob, has been first periods and how poor they've been in the first period. I mean, they've now been uh, outscored, uh, what are we up to, 11-3 to in the first period. They have allowed a goal, so they, they I got the notes here, they allowed a goal at uh, 3.36 tonight, 7.33 in Chicago, then going back 20 seconds into the game, 6.09 and 8.56. So five games in a row they've been scored on in the first uh, first nine minutes and a couple of those games it's been in the first four minutes. Well, you can understand being on the road, and sometimes the other team's going to have a jump at the beginning of the game. We saw that in Chicago. We saw that here tonight against Philly, and you try to weather that. Having said that, the others had bad starts at home too, so then you start thinking, okay, is there a bigger problem? Sometimes skilled teams, and uh, they try to feel their way into a hockey game. Unfortunately, when you do that and you fall behind, well, now the you put too much pressure on yourself to play the perfect game. And the Oilers, and any team in the National Hockey League, it's tough playing that perfect game. The Oilers got to get a better start. They got to get a lead. We don't know what the Oilers are capable of doing with the lead because they haven't had one since the first game of the season, it seems like. So well, it's, it's... Second game of the season in yeah. Vancouver was last time they led during gameplay. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a team that's always chasing. When you're chasing, bad things happen. So uh, there, there was positives out of the, today's game, but there's still... I don't know if they're question marks or concerns, but there's still big step forwards that the Oilers have to make if they want to be successful. At the end of the day, you look at wins and losses, and the Oilers' record is not near good enough is where it should be. One goal tonight for the Oilers. That means a $25 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. The total up to $375. You can follow that on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. All right, 780-496-0063. We have John on line one. John, thanks for calling. Hey, how are you guys doing? We're doing well. That's good. The sun's shining so far, no snow. I guess we're okay. Good. Hey, listen, what what does this team need? to get into into contention because from what I can see from this team they got a whole bunch of fringe players that are not going to go anywhere you know like nobody can score you got it's a one man team Connor McDavid and if Connor McDavid isn't doing anything the whole team isn't doing anything you know what you know like they're not going to go anywhere this year with the team they got well, this is a team that's very similar to the one they had last year it may be similar, but all of a sudden, something went wrong. Can they, uh, maybe they don't understand what the coach is trying to tell them. Maybe just like one guy said here a couple of weeks ago, maybe they're brain dead. Well, that was the coach that actually said that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, the, again, the, the last two games uh, have been better. They win in Chicago, which is a tough team to, to win in. And today, they're three minutes away from going into overtime. And had, had the Oilers scored on the power play late in the game, we would be talking about a yeah. good road hockey game. They you came know, and played strong. So, you know, you just, you just made a comment that had they scored. You know, it wishes, it wishes were horses and beggars would ride, you know. You can't wish a, a, a win. You've got to get out there and you've got to do something. You know, you look, at, you look at these guys and nobody's actually doing anything. They look around and all of a sudden they can't make a pass. They can't, they can't, they can't get out of their own end. So you think they should just get rid of these players, the same well, players they, they had success with last year? And I've been around the game many, many, many years, many, many years, longer than you guys have, and you played the game. 
And of what I see of this team, from what they had last year to what they have this year, I don't know what happened or where, where they went wrong, but the way they're going right now with the players they got, they need a couple of wingers and a couple of defensemen. I don't care how you look at it, because the wingers they got now aren't scoring, are they? Well, no, that's true, John. They're they're not getting the attack that they have in the past, and they haven't been getting enough pucks to the net. They've started the last two games slowly, and like we mentioned off the top, the the big focus for the last two games was 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 cutting down the chances against, which they did. I mean, mm-hmm. you you allow you you allow one goal in Chicago, two today. You'd hope that would be enough to get to a couple wins, but the, the three-two league, they're not able to get to three uh, in either game. Uh, John, we appreciate your call. Uh, they're not—I mean—they're not, I mean, not going to overhaul the roster on October 21st, dis- despite the the problems that they're having. But that, to me, and look, John, if if you'd listened to, to Inside Sports at all over the summer, for me, that was the number one issue: was where was the secondary scoring going to come from? I was not as concerned about Nurse and Russ or uh, Nurse and Benning. Benning taking on added responsibilities, a lot of people were. And I know Benning started the season with a couple of rough games, but he came back today and, and played fine. I, I wasn't as concerned about Talbot. He's bounced back with a couple of great, great games, especially in Chicago, and he was solid tonight. Uh, my concern was, would there be consistent secondary scoring that could take the team from a good level to a great level? Now, this year, they don't even have a good record yet. So I, I think that will be a storyline to watch is, okay, you know, Letestu scored a couple games in a row. Great. You don't expect your fourth-line center to go out and score again. So Strom's going to have to hit the score sheet. Maroon's going to have to keep doing it. Lucic gonna, is going to have to keep doing it. Uh, you know, Jokinen's going to have to bang one in every now and then. And then without Dreisaitl... Uh, you got a 19-year-old rookie playing in his spot on that right wing. I, I don't think it'd be fair to sit here and point the finger at, at Kyler Yamamoto, but that's in a position on the team where offense had come from, and that guy hasn't played the last four games. No, I mean, I, I agree with you, too. I, I have no problem with the defense. I got no problem with Cam Talbot. You know Cam Talbot's going to get where he wants to go, and you and I have talked about it a lot. The Oilers are not deep offensively especially on the wings. And that's why I'm a huge fan of Dreisaitl playing right wing with McDavid because I don't think they have enough without that. I don't think they have a pure goal scorer up front. And you, and you look at the numbers of certain players, like Strom's come in, he's got the one goal. Uh, Maroon scored back-to-back, so you can't complain because now he's going in the right direction. But you got Pacaran and he's got nothing. Lucic has got one goal. Jokic and nothing. Cassian, nothing. Uh, Yamamoto playing on the first line. I think he's he's playing well, but still he's got no goals on the season. Slepyshev no goals. Uh, Nugent Hopkins just has two goals and three points on the season. So this is not a an offensive juggernaut. This is a team that has to win games two one and three two. And every once in a while, McDavid's going to have this big huge night where everything he touches turns to gold, and everything that he passes becomes a goal. But those aren't you can't expect that every night. So some of these players that were brought in to offset the loss of a of an Eberle or the loss of the 12 to 15 goals that a Pouliot would bring when he was consistent, have to step up, and they haven't been there yet. Now, again, it's we're seven games into the season, and if this was a seven-game stretch in the middle of December or the middle of January, it wouldn't be as noticeable. But it, it at the beginning of the year, it's starting to show some of the warts that the Oilers have, and the Oilers have warts on the right wing, right wing trying to produce offense, and actually right now on both wings. Mm-hmm. They're just not producing offensively from their winger position. 2-1, the Flyers take it. Late goal by Wayne Simmons decides it. 
Wayne Simmons, the first star of the game. Second star, Claude Giroux. Patrick Maroon is the third star, so they uh, pick the three goal scorers today. Our fourth star for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Well, it was a quiet night for for the Oilers. I'm going to go with Cam Talbot. I thought Cam Talbot gave him a chance. He had absolutely no chance on either one of the goals tonight. Both were off. Pucks going from one side to the other. So to me, Cam Talbot was your four-star. All right, 780-496-0063. We got Alex on the line. Alex, good afternoon. How are you? Good. Well, you know what? (laughs) I mean, that has got to be the most frustrating game of all time. I mean, like, you want to know something? Me and the old lady, you know, we woke up, you know, we said, okay, let's, let, you know, we had some wine last night. We're going to watch the orders, okay? And from the from the puck drop, and I'm serious, from the puck drop, I've never seen a team so disinterested. I'm going, oh, my God, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? A little bit of spurts here and there, and I'm going, okay, babe. Okay, here we go. Okay, what? Oh, oh, okay. And guess what? Two minutes left. Two minutes left, I'm going, Okay, we're going to get a point. And guess what they did? They collapsed. The whole team collapsed. And I'm going, you got to be... And the puck's in the net. And I'm going, no way. And I'm going, no. No. You know? And, and that's what I'm thinking about right now. Because right now, I am so choked. I am... I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to hide it. And I know I'm getting frustrated because, man, oh, man, I'm telling you, me and my girlfriend, we went and watched the Petitkin Bees Okay, on Jupiter A last night, they're playing Merritt. And these kids skate. They skate their hearts out. And my God, you know, the bees won last night, but I'm telling you, this team has to smarten up. My God, do you have any? We know how much money these guys make. I am so shocked, man. You know, like, like, come on. All right. Wake up. Wake up. Appreciate it, Alex. 780-496-0063. We got Eric on line three. Eric, thanks for calling. Hey, how you doing tonight or this evening or I guess this uh, afternoon, guys? <laughs> yeah, we're fine. Well, um, first and foremost, I'd like to say let's don't panic. Okay, uh, it's it's early in the season, but I would like to ask you guys some. Uh, well, basically, uh, do you think we should call anyone up from the farm club, especially for our defense? Like, what do you think? Who do we have in the farm club that we could bring up? Because obviously our D is lacking. I mean, I I, I love Darnell. Well, how, I mean, how, Eric, hold on. How's the how's the D lacking the last two games? I thought they defended a lot well than better than they did during the previous. Yeah, but that's sport. not saying much. I mean, the the I mean, right now if, the last two games they could easily have four points if they scored. Yeah, but we don't. No, but if they scored. It wasn't defensively. They've given up three goals in two games on the road against two very skilled teams. Absolutely. So absolutely, and and I, I completely agree with you. However, but do you do me, you think we're lacking in D? No, no, I don't think there's anything in the minors that can do better than what they have up here. Not even, and I don't think there's anything close right now in the minors that what can about, do better. What uh, about our wingers? Okay, no, that's a that's a different question. And yes, um, would is there a possibility of a Pugliarvi coming up? To provide some offense, I think yeah. he deserves it, don't yeah. you? I, I, that I don't know if he deserves because I don't know what he's done in the minors. I mean, I have not seen him play. Reed might have a better idea of what he's done in the minors, because but I, I don't know. 
but so, but having said that, right now the Oilers' biggest weakness over the last couple of games is scoring goals, and it's scoring goals from the wing. So if there is something that needs to be a little shake-up, a little wake-up, maybe that is it. But I can't tell you what's going on in the minors because, honestly, I would just be telling you something I read on the Internet. Well, they, 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 they won 2 nothing yesterday at Bakersfield uh, with Ellis getting the shutout. Yes, Ipuliyarvi has no goals and two assists in four games. The leading scorer on Bakersfield is on the Oilers, and that's Brad Malone, who's a, who's a depth player. He's not a top-six NHL player. Right. So, so I mean, I love my orders to death. I mean, I would. I remember back in Cripes in in the early '90s when, or actually the, the mid '90s when we couldn't fill the stands. But one thing I'd like to to say to the Oilers fans out there is like, don't lose hope. Don't panic. Like, it's we're, we're, there's obviously something wrong right now. But we can fix it. Uh, just keep cheering and just love our team. That's it. Okay. No matter what. Like, what do you guys think about that? Well, I think you you sound like a you sound like a sports fan. I don't know what else to to say to that. Uh, Oilers lose two one in Philadelphia as uh, definitely getting some scoring from the wings is going to be our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Not a lot of power plays uh, tonight, but the Flyers do win the special teams battle going one for two with the man advantage. The Oilers were 0 for 3. Rob, uh, Latestu took that shot on the power play in the third period, hit Andrew McDonald, who was clearly hobbled. Um, I mean, was there an opportunity for the Oilers to attack that difference since they had a shaken up player on the ice? Yes, absolutely. I mean, when you're on a power play, if a guy loses his stick, then all of a sudden your power play kind of shifts to take advantage of the guy without his stick. And then it becomes a five on three. If you've got a guy that's hobbled, and it was easy to see that he was hobbled because he laid on the ice for you know four or five seconds. I give credit to him, first of all, for getting up and trying to finish the shift. He could barely stand. So what you do, A, I know that they talked about it on the telecast, try to move the the play over to the other side and work it off of his side. But doing that, it wouldn't have made a whole lot of difference because McDonald, who was hurt, would have just stood in front of the net and the other defenseman was swung all the way across. The way you attack is attack the net because that's where that guy's hanging out because now he's he's on one one leg. So if you get bodies in front of the net, you throw Lucic in front of the net, then he's not going to be able to move you. He's not going to be able to try and get that rebound that is, you know, a foot out of his reach. The Oilers didn't put enough pucks on net. That's where the injured player was. That's where you make take the play to. The Oilers didn't do that. They kept everything on the perimeter. And because of that, he actually got to get his footing. Uh, have, he, he stood there. He got about a minute of rest. He got to feel a little bit better about himself. And the Oilers never really took advantage of having a... Five on three with an injured player on the ice. All right, if you're on hold, we will get to you. Let's go back to Philadelphia. The Oilers lose 2-1. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Late goal that steals a point or maybe two points potentially. It was a pretty evenly played game. Uh, both teams checked pretty hard, I thought, and uh, there wasn't a lot of free ice to get creative. Um, I thought we were out of, uh, we were a little bit slow out of the gate and then kind of found our legs as we got going. So, um, you know, we made one more mistake than they did. And uh, they got one on the power play. We didn't. Now our power plays were came in chunks uh, or pieces, if you will, uh, until the last one, and then we didn't get anything off of that. But uh, that's probably the difference in the night. Did you want to get a couple more looks on that power play in the third period? They had a guy down, too. It looked like he was 
hobbling out. Yeah, we would have we would have liked that for sure. You talked a lot about giving up goals that you didn't think the other team had to execute or really earn so much. Does that last one qualify as one of those for you? Well, we're on a line change and uh, we're caught in between. They make a nice little touch into the middle. I thought we could have kept skating uh, in that situation. We were a little bit relaxed and uh, they took advantage of of two feet of ice. And, um, you know, the games are so tight right now that those uh, wins and losses can be... Uh, uh, can be based on that, and uh, I thought they had to work for that one. They made a good play; uh, they earned it. We made, we did make mistakes, but uh, we're not going to be mistake-free. But when you compare them to some of the goals we gave up earlier in the year, uh, at least they had to work for it. So, your team for the second straight game has scored one goal in 60 minutes. Clearly, magnifying any mistake you do make. Yeah, uh, would it be nice to score some goals? Well, it certainly would. Um, we're cleaning up the defensive part, which is uh, a start for us, but now we've got to get some of the offensive part going. And, um, you know, perhaps a couple of players will be back in our lineup. It'll make us a little quicker and maybe a little more skilled than we are right now. Uh, but if not, this group has to get it done. And, uh, you know, we fire a lot of pucks, and, and uh, to me, there's a lot that are getting tipped, deflected, or blocked. Um, is that because we're. Too quick to shoot, too slow to shoot. Um, we have to look at that and try and fix some things. Uh, how would you assess Kyle Yamamoto so far, not just today, but <coughs> six games? Well, overall, I think he's had an impact uh, since day one of training camp, and he's uh, continually got better. Um, you know, we saw tonight in a tight checking game, it's harder for him to find ice, uh, but he still was able to strip pucks, make plays. He was over the puck in and around the blue paint. And, um, you know, for a young a young player, uh, he's playing big minutes against some really good players right now, and uh, he's being tested, and in my opinion, he's passing the test. Coaches always ask players to make their decisions difficult. Is he going to make a difficult decision for you? You know, you've got that 10-game. Well, not not is, has. Um, you know, we're, we're getting down to that point, and um, our group uh, ma management team and the, the staff will sit together and we'll talk about his future, but... Um, you know, if we don't uh, if we don't call him into the office, we want him showing up and, and practicing and playing uh, just as he has. You're finding yourself down one, one nothing a lot uh, in the last few games. I guess five in a row. Is that a source of frustration? Is there anything? Well, it'd be nice to to play with the lead. The frustration comes in in the freebies, like uh, Speck was asking me earlier. Um, if the other team goes out and earns it tonight, you know what we uh, we take a penalty. They uh, they take a shot, we block it. It goes right to the the open player. Um, the, you, we can be frustrated about that, but that's how the game is, and that's built into the game. Um, it's the uh, the free ones that really make it frustrating, and and uh, give credit to the guys. They haven't given those up in the last two nights. All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. The Oilers lose for the uh, fifth time in the last six games this afternoon, beaten by Philadelphia 2-1. They are 1-1 one one with a game to go on their three-game road trip. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. We'll have more post-game reaction in a few minutes. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Here's Kent on the line. Hey, Kent. Hi, guys. Uh, I think part of uh, the reason that the defense is tightening up is I think Larson's playing a lot better. Um, and obviously they're getting a, some goaltending when they need it. Uh, in terms of scoring, you know, I, I would, and I, I'm sure Rob knows him, but, and, I, and I'm an acquaintance of him, but I would really like to see the Oilers sign Iginla for maybe $1.5 for one season or something like that. 
and I'd put him on the second power play and see if you can get that going. Uh, I know Jerome, he's not, it takes him a while to get going scoring-wise, so I wouldn't expect him to start putting the puck in right away. But he's also one of the most determined like people that I've ever met. And I think, you know, what I see with this team, I wasn't surprised at all to see them lose today. I was happy that they put in a good effort because I've seen the pattern before of they're playing bad, they go on the road, they're in Chicago, and they have a good game. Like, that was Gagne in, in 2012. You know, it's something that we've seen before. So I guess that's all I really have to say. But No, we appreciate it, Kent. Yeah, good points. I, I think Larson has been better the last few games, and, and certainly Talbot has been where he needs to be and, and has given the team the saves and, and, and the starts that they have had in the past with them. And I think that's sometimes you, you forget how good he is and you just expect it each and every night. So when he goes through a little lull like he did in those few games, you're like, oh, God, yeah, I forgot. Talbot is quite good, and when he's not on top of his game, you're like, you notice it. So he, he's been good the last couple of games. Defensively, they've been much better. There's always going to be breakdowns. Is, again, was it Clefbaum last year that talked about the, the or Secker? One of them, there's always going to be mistakes. Because yeah, if there was, it was Secker. Because if there's not mistakes, every game would be 0-0. Nobody would watch. So, yeah, it's, uh, th- there's going to be mistakes, but you try to cut down on them and you try to have fewer than the team you're playing against. As for Jerome, I do not see that happening. I don't. Um, I think that... and. I agree, Jerome. <laughs> there's there's so many great things you can say about Jerome. Jerome's going to be a Hall of Famer and uh, a wonderful player, but I do not believe that he will be in Edmonton this year, and I don't know if Edmonton is a, a place that he wants to go to. Having said that, what they have right now, they've got to figure a way to, to put the puck in the net. They've got guys here that are expecting to score. They've got two power play units. And it seems as though when the one power play unit is not on the ice, the other unit doesn't seem to get a whole lot going, and they still have enough skill level for them to do it. Uh, it's it, it's just uh, a slow start to the season, and unfortunately in the Western Conference, if you have a slow start and you fall quite a ways behind, you don't have to just catch one or two teams to make the playoffs. You've got to catch a lot of teams. And each game that you fall behind, that's just two more points you're going to have to make up, and eventually you run out of those games. Yeah, that, and that's the thing about you know having this stretch at the start of the season. The Oilers uh, could win, I don't know, pick a good little run, three of their next four. They'd still be under 500, mm-hmm. right? So you know there there is that is a concern here that they are playing catch up, and even if they've had a hot streak, it might not be enough to to get them back over 500 or into a playoff spot. Uh, a lot of games left, though. Flyers beat the Oilers 2-1. Also on the advantage trailer rental scoreboard, the Rangers knock off the Predators 4-2. Just the second win in uh, nine games so far this season for the Rangers. Don't forget, tonight on 6.30, Chad, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 8. It is the Eskimos visiting the BC Lions. We have Jared on line four. Hey, Jared. How's it going? Good. Um, so I was just thinking, well, why don't we just blow up the team and build it around Yamamoto? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, uh, Rob, Rob Brown, I went to Bibby and, uh, yeah, I was, uh, played with you and all that. It was really fun. Oh, thanks, buddy. That was a while ago. No, it was. That was uh, grad class two, uh, 2008. Well, cool. Well, I hope that uh, success has found you in all parts of life since then. Thanks, man. Also, Yamamoto, though, looks pretty good. 
He's he's a good hockey player. He's smart, and that's the one thing that you can teach a guy to to, to check. You can teach a guy to 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 be a better find better positioning on the ice to score goals. There's so many things you can teach a guy, but what you can't teach a player to be is smart. And he is smart. He's very intelligent. He knows where to go. He knows where to put the puck. And uh, no, and uh, not not to get hit and hurt yeah. in Absolutely, like he's he, that size, right? he, he's smart. When you're a guy that size and you're you're now playing in the National Hockey League level, you've survived, and you survived because you never put yourself in a position to get hurt. So, whether it's success this year in the NHL for Yamamoto or not, he's going to be a good player for this team for a long time because he's got the physical abilities, but more importantly, he's got the mental abilities to be a good hockey player. That's right. I feel like. Uh, on the radio in 1260, Will Frazier saying that, oh, yeah, send him down. Why are we still talking about this kid? We're like, well, the guy is still playing unreal. Like, do you watch the games or? Well, he's he, he's played very well. We appreciate it, Jared. I, I mean, I, I, I've been saying this all fall. It's To me, it's a, a no-lose situation with Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. He's here. He's getting experience. He, he's taking some steps forward in his game. And, you know, as, as Todd said, until we call him in the office and tell him he's going to back to Spokane, he keeps coming to practice and keeps learning. So that's all you can expect. Yeah, and it's funny, too, with, with, with that comment. I, I've been a young player, and I've been, you come into practice every day, and the first thing you do is you peek around the dressing room and say, okay, what color jersey am I wearing? Okay, good. <laughs> That's on a line. And then you're sitting there, okay, every time the coach walks by, you put your, your head down, you look at the floor. Okay, don't come talk to me. Don't come talk to me. I don't want to go see the GM. So uh, good on him. I think right now, as you keep saying, he's playing with borrowed money, uh, and, and he's playing well. Uh, the problem for Yamamoto right now, is he's on a team that's not scoring, and he's on a line that is their best line. Right. It needs to score, so there's more pressure on him than probably needs to be. Having said that, he's shown to be the, the best option right now to play on the, that wing with Dreisaitl being out of the lineup. Wayne Simmons, game winner with 2.15 left. Flyers take down the Oilers 2-1. We'll get to more of your phone calls. You'll hear from Patrick Maroon, who scored for Edmonton. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. It's Giroux hovering close by. Threw it in front. Rich on save. Talbot. What a stop on Voracek. Second save made by Talbot. Swing and a miss by Giroux. Left circle waiting as Sandheim. Can't pull the trigger. Well, that was a big flurry about five and a half minutes into the third period by the Flyers. Save of the game from Cam Talbot. For Armor Insurance, protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Talbot makes 22 stops, but... He gets beat late by Wayne Simmons, and the Flyers knock off the Oilers 2-1. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. It's 2:24, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. You can chime in at 780-496-0063. And making his season debut, it's Sirius Gord. Hey, Gord. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, hello, Rob. Haven't talked to you since last year. Um, first off, uh, put me down as no for uh, Jerome McGinley. Uh, he hasn't been that vaunted... Uh, competitive spirit, probably since the last two years in Calgary. Um, he's a he's a team breaker, not a team maker, in my opinion. At this point in his career, certainly. But uh, one of the other callers emphatically said, that "Now is not the time to panic," and I agree with him. But I would say there, I think you guys would agree, there is reason for serious concern. Um, the team has a depth crisis. There's not much couple of key injuries and and they're they're obviously clearly in trouble i would say having said that that today and i guess uh, the last game they played they were they seemed to be on the cusp of getting into cusp of getting into a groove um 
they're starting, you know, to just miss on a few chances, and one of these nights they're going to score a bunch, I suspect, and everybody will quickly forget about the struggles that they've had. But um, it's a numbers game, guys. Uh, I'm looking at if they lose in Pittsburgh, they would have to then win 46 wins in 74 games, uh, which means they'd have to play 661 for the rest of the season. That is a heck of a hole to be in to try and get back into the playoffs. Um, and that's where I would be focusing my concern is this, this slump has to stop or there's no way to get out of it. Um, yeah, well, that's a fair point. That's a fair point, Gordon. And I like I don't think this is a 24-win team like we saw three or four years ago, just despite the no. start. But you're right. I mean, you usually have to get, in terms of wins, you usually have to get to at least 41 to have a shot, and then it might come down to right. overtime losses. A bunch of ties. Yeah, yeah if you exactly. get into if you get into the mid 40s in wins, then you're pretty much in. And 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 that's a fair point. Like they're they're. They're, they're looking uphill, and we all know about how difficult it is to play uphill. And, and like I said earlier, um, they like they had a five-game losing streak in November last year, but they already had wins in the bank. Now you're looking at the flip side where you could win 5-7, a 8-12, uh, and you might still be below 500, let alone in the playoffs, right? So, you know, that's that's a legitimate fear. I, do, I, do, I don't disagree with you one bit there. I, I, and it, two, and, real, uh, two real quick questions, if I could, guys. I'll let you guys get on with it. My concern is I, and I, I don't have the eyes that, that Rob has in terms of what a game looks like, but to my eyes, at least, Todd McClellan looks like he's getting a coach more, more nice than he's, than he's winning that coaching battle. And I think that the slow starts in the first period are a reflection of a coach, not so much the team. I mean, he's clearly, this has been an issue for, what, seven games, eight games now, um, and they're still chronically doing it. That, at some point, that has to fall on the coach's lap. The second question uh, I think regardless of how Yamamoto plays, he should be sent down after nine games. I see a guy who, I, because we have this depth issue, we're very keen to have, if he shows any kind of ability, to keep him up. But he needs to go down and work on his game, to go down and make mistakes on the offensive side and not get scrutinized like he's going to get scrutinized up here in the NHL. Let him go learn his game. I think we made a terrible mistake keeping Gagne up as much, as early as we did. I think we screwed up on Pugliarvi last year by leaving him around too long. I think after nine games, we have to show the discipline to say, you know what, this guy needs another year to really hone his offensive game so when he comes up, he can hit the ground running and not try and grow on at this level. I'm well, and it's and it's still and Gord, it still wouldn't surprise me if that happens. I mean, you've you've I heard so, you've, yeah. you've you've heard what I've what I've said that. about yeah. the kid for sure. Yeah. Thanks for calling, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Okay, serious Gord seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We got callers uh, coming up, so uh, we will get everybody in. We haven't brought you any news and weather updates uh, in a f- couple hours though, so we want to do a quick one here at two uh, thirty. You'll have more post game reaction. By the way, the Japanese. Speaking of uh, scoring droughts, hopefully we do get to this eventually. If the Oilers score five or more in a game, we'll turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com, and you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village downtown Southside and Northside. 229, we're back right after the news. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 2.33. The Oilers lose 2-1 in Philly. The Eskimos play in BC tonight. Coverage will start at 6 with the game at 8 here on 6.30 Chet. I'm Reed Wilkins along with Rob Brown. And I believe we have a special guest on the show. Uh, is, it, is this former heavyweight boxer Ken Lacusta checking in today? Hey, thank you very much. Yeah, it is. 
Good to hear from you, Ken. I remember watching you fight when I was a young man growing up in Evansburg. Well, hey, thanks a lot, buddy. I'm a big Oiler fan, and I just wanted to uh, put my uh, two cents in. I've been listening. I always listen to your show. Love Rob Brown. I think he does a great job. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, the, the thing that I find that is hard to believe is the Oilers have the last two games. They've only got three goals scored against them. They played two real tough teams on the road today. I thought that uh, they could have won the game and. People are phoning in and saying brain dead, using all these different things. I think we're really kind of getting excited because we had such a good season last year. These guys are playing their, their butts off trying to get out of this slump. Uh, I, I really I really think that uh, everybody's being a bit too harsh. Sure, we're in a bit of a slump, but with that being said, I really think that they could use Jerome McKinlan. And I think he'd love to be here, especially with what's happened in the last month. Calgary got a guy that's 47 years old or 46 Jerome McGill is only 40. Jerome McGill is a specimen. He's built. He's strong. He's got. He's very aggressive uh, on the ice and in the dressing room. I think this guy would be the, the perfect fit for Edmonton, especially with what Calgary did by not bringing him back there and bringing in a guy five, six years older than him. I think Jerome McGill would just be perfect. I know. I know Rob Brown has played hockey, knows more than me, but I'm just saying as a point of a guy, a leadership, and a guy who would get people maybe playing every shift like he does. He's a driven guy, and, and I, really, I really think that he would help our team a lot. And, and I'm not worried about our team. I think that this is a, like Rob Brown said, hey, you play Chicago, you play a great game. You played a great game today, one bad line change. And not saying it was bad. Maybe they just outbeat us to the puck and that line change. It happens. And I think that uh, we're going to be okay. It's just that everybody's pushing the panic button a little bit early. Well, Ken, first of all, it's great to hear from you. Appreciate your perspective. And, uh, I mean, look, you you uh, you played a sport where like, getting knocked down and not, like, physically getting knocked down and picking yourself up was, uh, was a, when you had a rough round or a rough fight, what were some of the things you drew on to uh, to get back to work and, and stay positive? Well, you just, you just, you know, you just get up and keep going. A lot of the times, you know, in my career, uh, it's like... I was one of the last Canadians that fought a lot of the big people in the world. Larry Holmes, George Foreman, Frank Bruno, a lot of the big fighters, right? And when you have to live to make money in boxing, you've got to fight the real people. You can't just fight guys from Manitoba or, or Saskatchewan. So fighting those guys and going eight and ten rounds with guys like Burbick and Larry Holmes, it, it, it's, it's hard to fight them, so you physically have to be strong. But with that being said, I see a lot of these Oilers with a lot of strength. That young Yam, Yanamoto with this... This Connor McDavid, unbelievable at their age, with the mental strength. They have Maroon coming in here, doing as good as he's he's done. Sometimes they jump on him, but look how he's come back. I mean, three goals in the last two games against fantastic teams. Chicago's a good team. Philadelphia is a real good team, and they're tough at home. And like I said, it was a line change that caused us a point for sure, a point. And I mean, I think the Oilers are going to be fine. But like I said, a, a, a dry saddle, we we miss them. He's one of the top five to ten players in the whole planet. He's yeah. been out for three, four years. I mean, we, you know, why hit the panic button? I know there's a lot of guys from, from uh, Ontario and Quebec. They, they, they work in this province, so they phone into your shows and give everybody a hard time, oh, because maybe the Leafs are. But that's fine. We'll just let this team settle, and you'll see that when they settle, they'll be back in the playoffs, and, and they'll do real fine. Ken, I, I, I host a, a, a talk show every night the Oilers don't play. I'd love to have you on. If I put you on hold, will you give uh, my producer uh, your number and maybe we can connect some night? Oh, for sure. I train one young professional. There's nine wins and one loss, a big heavyweight. 
it has a real good chance to, to probably win the Canadian title and British Commonwealth title. So for sure, you just all hold on the line and give you my number. And thanks a lot. And enjoy your show and enjoy Rob. Uh, I think Rob is real patient when he answers his questions, and he's really all around a real good hockey guy. So thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. It's funny, while we are listening to you there, I was able to Google up and see all the... Like, it is amazing, the number of... It's Kim like, Lacusta. That's yeah, incredible. I, I mean, I remember growing up, I remember watching him, but I didn't realize and probably just didn't take the time to realize how many of the great fighters that he did fight. I mean, he, he fought George Foreman. He fought Larry Holmes, Trevor Burbick. I mean, uh, unbelievable. Nine times he fought for the Canadian National Championship. He was a two-time, I believe, if and as long as everything's right that I read, two-time Canadian champion. That's pretty cool. And then he's a big Oilers fan, so good on him. And I can also say very well-spoken when it comes to the game of hockey. So obviously not just a boxer but a sports fan. So that was a pleasure having him on the show. We got Gary on line, too. Gary, go ahead. Good afternoon, Reed. And uh, Rob, thanks for taking my call. on uh, First time call for this year, all right, Gary, I'm really sorry. I put you back on hold because that's like we got a bad connection there. Patrick, maybe you can check that one. And uh, in the meantime, we'll bring Steve on line six. Steve, go ahead. Reed, Rob. Yes. Good to hear from you. Really enjoying your commentary, but I've got some uh, suggestions that will help all the Oilers improve their scoring. I'm actually holding on to a pair of boxing gloves. I got the chance to spend uh, the evening with Ernie Shavers recently, one of the greats. So, based on some feedback from Rob in the last couple of weeks, here's how you guys can improve the scoring for the Oilers. All the media guys that are hounding Connor need to throw 200 bucks each into the kitty and uh, get them a couple of, couple of uh, limousines full of supermodels. Okay? <laughs> now, you run around with some supermodels, enjoy yourself for a day or two, and you'll find a vast improvement in everybody's scoring ability. What does okay. that have to do with the boxing gloves? Well, because of your last guest, he's actually a fantastic guy to have on your show, Reed. He's, yeah, he's get an, amazing, sure. an amazing guy, but Ernie Shavers, ask him some questions about Ernie, I'm telling you. Okay, who, who's going in the limo with the supermodels, the media guys or the, the hockey players? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that up to you guys to decide. I think right. we need to uh, we need to realize that we have a fantastic team in Edmonton. We re- I'm not just you know we really do. We've got an entertaining product on the ice, uh, some fantastic uh, future potential in in players you've already talked about. And uh, look, we've got 70 plus games to go, and I think we should just enjoy the journey and. Uh, and lay off a little bit. You know, everybody uh, wants wins, wins, wins. It's going to come, man. It's going to come. I really enjoyed the game today, and I enjoy your commentary, so thanks very much. You, yep. you know, you thanks, know, Reed, one thing you said there, too, enjoy the journey. And, and I think that's key is it, it is a journey. It's not always going to be a straight road of all good things happening. The journey is going to have side, side streets. You go off. There's going to be construction in your road at some point where you got to get around. So You're right, and, but you can't I – don't, I don't think – I've, I don't think it's fair to ask Oilers fans that because they've seen so many bad oh, starts turn into oh, 28, 29, 30th. But I've seen there's talent on this team. The other teams that yeah, have the bad starts. I don't think the season's over by nope. any means. But, but, but and every they can reacts differently. But it was, it, it was it who was it that said that you know what they'd have to win if they lose in Pittsburgh for the remainder of the season? Yeah, it is. It is a danger in the Western Conference Absolutely. to get too far behind because there are just too many good teams, and you do not want to have to be leapfrogging two, four, six, eight teams or whatever it is to get into the playoffs. 
We have Bernie on the line. Bernie, thanks for calling. Hi, good afternoon, guys. I'm just uh, calling out a few comments and, uh, and a few observations. Maybe uh, if you guys just some input on it. I don't think the, I think the Oilers got like a first-year Oiler on each line. And I think they're lacking some chemistry. I'm not worried about the wins coming eventually, but the chemistry is probably what what is lacking the most. And uh, we've been ta- they've been talking about an experiment for a while of having a Newton Hopkins move up with McDavid and Maroon. And I don't care who plays right wing on the second line, but I'd like to see Drysaddle try ten games or so on the second line uh, with the Yamamoto or Pudi Arvi if he comes up. And uh, you know, in the bottom two lines can like back. You want game. Leon? You want Leon back at center, eh? I want him at center on the second line. I yeah. want to see what Nuge can do for 10 or 15 games up with McDavid. He's a smart guy. He's fast enough. Uh, you know, I'm just wondering why they haven't tried that experiment yet. It's been two years, right? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. That never has happened, and that's, yeah, we've talked about that. That's been a suggestion that just has kind of been hanging out there that's never never happened. Well, and if you want to look at it from that way, if... Drysaddle is a stronger centerman than Nugent Hopkins, and if that's the case, and you put Nugent Hopkins with McDavid because Drysaddle has a better chance of carrying a line offensively. So, I mean, I am a fan of Drysaddle with with McDavid, but uh, if the puck isn't going into the net and if you're not getting wins, you got to make changes. And uh, Nugent Hopkins is a very smart hockey player. So, I, I think if the Oilers continue, you know, another two, three, four games, whatever it is, and they're not scoring at the the rate they need to score then Todd McCollum will make those changes. What they need right now, though, is a healthy Leon Dreisaitl back in the lineup. That alone will make them a better hockey club. All right. Patrick Maroon had the only goal today. Before we get back to the calls, back to Philadelphia, here's the big rig. We're two minutes left in the game. Yeah, it sucks. Obviously, because we fought all game, we played hard all game, and the last two periods, I thought we were really doing some good things, and mental breakdown leads to a goal and kind of hurts. That stings a little bit. Is that the goal that the other team doesn't really have to earn as much or execute as much? You give up a goal that the other team didn't make a great play to get. Is that fair? I mean, yeah, they made a great play. I mean, the guy held on to the puck. He popped it to the middle and they had the third guy coming down low. So, I mean, sometimes you got to tip your cap, but obviously we can't have that happen with two minutes left. Hopefully... You know, we got to drag those things in to overtime or try to win it. So um, this one slipped away from us, I thought. So nothing nothing we can do about it now. We just got to find ways to bounce back and play against Pittsburgh. Two games in a row with one goal in the 60-minute regulation. That's, you know, you got to score more than one to win consistently. I think that's fair. Uh, how come it's not going in? Well, I don't know. I think you also got to let up one, too, to defend. So I think it can go both ways. Don't you agree? Sure. Okay. But you're not going to win 1-1. Like, you yeah. got to have two to win is all I'm saying. And yeah, you, you got to defend too. I think you got to defend too. So sometimes the pucks don't go in. So I don't know what else to tell you. All right. Well, the Oilers have defended uh, better the last two games, clearly. Mm-hmm. I mean, three three goals against in two games is, is pretty good, regardless of uh, how they went in. So, uh, you know, stuff's biting the Oilers both ways here. They got blown out a couple times at home. And uh, now they tighten up defensively and they can't find the goal. So they'll continue to work. They lose 2-1 today to the Flyers. Mack is going to finish the play when we get back. Kirk is coming up on the open line as well. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. 
Now, from the Osman Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Giroux in the first period, Maroon in the second period, Simmons with 2.15 late in the third, and the Flyers edge the Oilers 2-1, Edmonton falling to 2-5 on the season. Not the start they wanted. they got to keep working. Got to keep working. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, thanks for tuning in this afternoon. We have Mac on line three. Hello, Mac. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. It's good to hear from you. A uh, couple of things. Firstly, I was wondering what the Oilers got for Yakupov. Oh, they got that, up draft picks and a guy who's never going to play anywhere near the NHL. Okay, thanks. The second thing, there was a couple of plays in the last two games that seemed quite similar to me, where it, today, I think the second period, Yamamoto got... Uh, uh, checked into the boards and he came up shaking his head there was no penalty oh he got drilled in the first period almost into the flyers bench yeah yeah and it reminded me of the play where cassian got a penalty in chicago last game seemed quite similar and when i when cassian got that penalty like the opposing blackhawk had the puck so is the rule that if you've got the puck... No, you, Cassian you hit Cassian. him straight from behind, Mac. He hit his but numbers. He had, yeah. he had the puck. Yeah, but it still it doesn't matter. if you, you can't hit a guy from behind into the boards. And he hit him completely right in the numbers. Like so if you, even if he has the puck? Yeah, even if he has the, the puck. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Go, go to a minor hockey game nowadays. They all have these stop signs on the back of their jerseys yeah. right under their helmet. And it's to remind kids you cannot hit at the numbers. And players are told if you see numbers, you can't, you can't finish your check because it, it's, it's dangerous. And what well, Cassian did was, it was, I, I honestly thought it was a five-minute major, but it was wrong. What happened to Yamamoto? Was, wasn't that pretty they did, close? They did show a replay. I, it might have been close, but... And he didn't have the puck, I don't think. I think the he puck, just, he had just gotten rid of the puck, and you're, yeah. you're allowed that one split second after you get rid of the puck to finish yeah. a check. Fair, fair question, though. I mean, maybe if we saw it again, it, it could, have, could have been interference, but yeah. I, don't th- I, I didn't see a replay of it. Okay, well, thanks. I'm still a little paranoid after last nope. year's uh, playoffs. And <laughs> it's okay, Mac. That the Oilers are subject to. Thank you. Mac, don't hang up, okay? Okay. okay. All right. Eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com because Mac's going to play finish the play. In over the line. High slot. Open man. Waiting. Dishing raffle. And that wasn't there. Broken up by Larson. And that's an obvious pick play. In over the line. All right. So, uh, Mac, we got a... Uh, penalty on the Philadelphia Flyers. Did the Oilers score on the power play, yes or no? That no. wasn't there. Broken up in over. Sorry, back. We missed your answer. Did, did the Oilers score on the power play, yes or no? No. Alright, you're right. So you win. So stay on the line. <laughs> and uh, we'll get your information uh, that has finished the play for Jet Set U Park. Uh, again, the special team story, not in the Oilers' favor. 0 for 3 with the man advantage. They had one in the third period with about nine minutes left, and the Flyers go 1 for 2. They got an early power play goal as Giroux able to finish a play from the side of the net. We have Kirk as well. Kirk, go ahead. Hi, gentlemen. Good day. You guys do a great job. Well, thank you very much. Um, I have two uh, questions about Oilers who I think could give a little more, but they're trying super hard. They're just not channeling it in the right way. And uh, while well, the last guy I brought up checks from behind, and I guess that's Darnell Nurse who got hit from behind behind the net. But, I mean, how many players can do what he did? He comes from behind his net, blows by 10 guys on, on the ice, passes it to himself, and then he gets blown into the boards behind the ice or behind the net, comes all the way back, and is in the play again. 
he could use a little more finish and finesse at the end of those great, amazing rushes that get us all excited. But uh, there's there's really nothing much to show for all those uh, great rushes. So I, I think that's something he could work on for sure. I think that's an excellent comment because he can get it from his own end to the other team's blue line quite well. And, yeah, you need to see some of those uh, have more of a scoring chance or a goal. I think that's a great comment, Rob. It, it is. The last, the last guy I was talking to – oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go nope, ahead. Go, it's, you got the floor. Well, well, the last guy said, too, that um, hitting from behind – well, I thought he got pasted into the boards from behind. But uh, That was close. I think he kind of got clipped a bit from behind. I, I, they, I mean, I'm just trying to think what the refs might have seen. I don't know if it was straight in the numbers, but it, it was kind of a loud hit. Rob and Darnell was facing facing the board. I'm guessing Kirk that it probably because it wasn't directly from the back they didn't call it. Yeah, and it could have easily been a serious in, uh, injury, which uh, you know that would have been a suspension and all that stuff too. So I mean, he's a big tough kid and he doesn't get hurt. But if a, if the guy goes behind the net and gets hurt, then then the player who who does the injury gets. Uh, he gets suspended and everything, and it's a penalty. But uh, there's kind of a strange difference there in the league how, how a guy who's physically strong can take a hit like that, and there's no call. And then that brings up another point. Like Kirk, Cassian, we got to go like, quick here. you got 20 seconds. All right, Cassian, he, he takes out his aggressions in the wrong way. Like, he's talented. Man, if he could take out his aggressions and put the puck in the net, that's all I'm saying. Like, that guy could... He could be a great player, except he, he makes too many dumb mistakes. <laughs> well, a couple bad penalties this year for sure. Thanks, Kirk. We appreciate it. And he's another guy. You don't expect him to score 20 or 25, but you'd like to get 10 or 11 along the way. And that's going to be a storyline, I think, for the Oilers in Pittsburgh and then on the five-game homestand. Can they get some depth production the defensive play much better the last two games the goals for not there yeah well they actually need some primary scoring right now too well, true they're not getting it from any anywhere right now so the defensive game has been better they need some offense no better place to go score some goals than in pittsburgh on tuesday daryl hook is kicking us out of the studio he's hovering right outside the door with a with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire it's called lucille <laughs> uh talk to the experts is coming up next Eskimos tonight, countdown to kickoff at 6. The game will start at 8. They visit the BC Lions. If they win, they stay ahead of Saskatchewan in third in the West Division. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy and Patrick Bauer, studio producers this afternoon. Next Oilers game is Tuesday on 6.30, Chad. 3.30 for the face-off show. Game in Pittsburgh will start at 5. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Philly beating the Oilers 2-1. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.